Faithful Trinity Disclaimer The opinions, views and beliefs expressed are those of our guest speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Mindful Trinity or the policies of the company thereof. The content of the show does not constitute any legal or medical advice and is provided for the general insight and guidance. If you require specific legal, medical or any professional advice, you should contact a specialist or a qualified practitioner. Please note, Mindful Trinity is a non-religious, non-sectarian organization and we are not affiliated to any religious organization. Good morning and welcome to our viewers. So this morning we actually joined by no stranger to Mindful Trinity. He's been on our podcast when we used to do it live previously, like six months ago. And thereafter, we had lots of changes with Mindful Trinity. So a little bit about him. He's a well-renowned spiritual leader. He's a spiritual activist, a philosopher, a teacher of philosophy, and a practitioner of bhakti yoga. He's been practicing bhakti yoga for over 48 years. He is also an author of books on famous pilgrimage sites um, in India, formerly from New Zealand, and since 1980, he's been spending most of his time here in South Africa. And he's also been traveling to various parts of the globe, um, such as Mauritius, some of the Eastern European countries, and also African countries, teaching and spreading um, ancient philosophy, ancient wisdom. So good morning and welcome to His Holiness Bhakti Chaitanya Swami. Hare Krishna Vaishnavicharan and thank you so much. And I'm really happy to be back with you and with all the, the nice people who you're associated with. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful. I know you've been very busy these past few months teaching and spreading this wisdom, even online. So even this pandemic didn't keep you away from us. I'm so grateful that you still give us your time and your knowledge with all of us. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. So tell us more about His Holiness Bhakti Chaitanya Swami firstly, and also what led you to take this very rare journey as a monk sharing ancient wisdom. Okay. Yeah, well, I was born and raised in New Zealand, as you mentioned, and uh, as as I was just in my teenage years, the the uh, hippie movement developed, you know, in the Western world generally, America and Europe and 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 New Zealand and Australia. And so I got caught up in it. I I was not like a classic hippie, but um, a lot of the the, uh, sort of challenging of the established norms and conceptions of how to live and what's important, those things I became very interested in. And, And so I was questioning really, what, what should I do? And, and who am I? These are very prominent questions amongst the young people 
in the sort of late, mid, middle to late 60s. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, uh, I decided in order to help me come to grips with these questions, I decided to study philosophy at university. Right. So uh, early in 72, I, at the time I was just 20 years old, I, I decided to take um, philosophy as a major at university in Auckland, New Zealand. One day in, in 72, April, I was walking through the grounds of the university and it's a bit of a long story, but basically I saw uh, Srila Prabhupada, the founder of the Hare Krishna movement, the person who brought Hare Krishna to the Western world from India. Uh, I had heard of Hare Krishna. I didn't know much about it, but I saw him. He, he did a program in the university an official program. I attended the program and I found the ideas extremely interesting. And you know, what, what really fascinated me was that he was talking about religion, about God. And I'd been brought up as a Christian, more or less, you know, not very serious, but you know, a Christian basically. And now I found here is someone who's explaining about God, about religion, about worship of God, and these things, but in very logical ways, with very clear arguments and explanations about, you know, what it is, why, and how, and, and all these things, which I, I was really not clear on despite going to an Anglican school for 12 years and going to chapel every day. So that really interested me. That was 72. Then, then I went to England via Australia in the second half of 72. Again, very interested and in studying about these things. And I ended up in London actually at the end of 72, and I went to visit the Hare Krishna temple. And to my surprise, I found that one of my cousins from Scotland was the president wow. of the Hare Krishna temple in London. And he invited me to, to stay for some, for a little while and just, you know, learn a bit more and so on and experience it, so I did. And that, that was now early 73, January 73. And I found it so interesting, I just stayed on, and here I am. Wow, absolutely. <laughs> you know, learned a lot. That was getting on for 50 years ago. I've learned a lot since then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at least before the COVID time, I was traveling and traveling and traveling. You mentioned a bit about it and mainly lecturing and counseling. These two things, okay. lecturing 
and then individual counseling and discussion like that. And oh, it was just so nice, absolutely. Then of course, COVID happened to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in, in South Africa. Last year, I was in Durban the entire year. Very unusual for me. This year, I was, I've spent two months in Joburg in our center in Santon, but basically still lecturing and counseling, but online. Okay. Yeah. So, and here we are today. Mm -hmm. Here we are. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, a lot about the years whilst you were actually doing it. You were transitioning into the person that you are today. Did you find it very difficult during that time compared to compared to now? Because I okay. Firstly, I want to find out the world that time compared to now. Is it any different? Because I know you mentioned about the hippie movement as well. I'm not sure whether there are any hippies in this day and age. If there is, I'm not sure of them. Well, yeah. You know, it it was it's been really nice. Mm -hmm. It, I mean, in general, the experience through the forty eight years or so, it's just been an excellent experience. <clears throat> and I would say that basically, I I haven't really looked back. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I I haven't really felt the need to question. You know, am I doing the right thing or you know, have I made a mistake mm -hmm. about my direction? No. I mean, obviously, in this world, you know, you get, there are different challenges and problems and things, um, but it's, it's definitely ne never influenced me to give up my basic resolve mm -hmm. to, to focus like this and make this my business in life, you could say. Mm -hmm. um, and then, well, the world has changed. It's really changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned that I, I was involved to some degree, at least in the hippie movement. Mm -hmm. So, and that was, you know, almost universal amongst the young people in those days, late teens, 20s, it was really a very, very big thing. But now um, that sort of questioning and, you know, the, the feeling the need for introspection and considering what's going on in life in general, it's not happening so much. It's still there, you know, you definitely get thoughtful people who consider these things, but it's not like, you know, it was, all, it was more or less a universal phenomenon amongst the people of my, around about my age back then. So therefore our approach is, is definitely different um, you know, we're doing a more sort of formalized type of approach with seminars and lectures and things like that. And we go into business institutions and make presentations to the, uh, to the staff. And we do university presentations 
a lot, really a lot. So there's been a sort of, you know, you could almost call it a change of strategy if you wanted, Mm -hmm. but basically just just seeing what's going to be, uh, to make it easier for your average person to understand these important subjects and and then learn how to apply them. Yeah, yeah. So going back to our our initial my in, initial question about why do bad things happen to good people? Why would you? Why what what would your response be to that? Okay, yeah. Well, that's an excellent question. It's just a, a super excellent question. You know. As you said, why do bad things happen to good people? But you can also say, why do sometimes, at least, good things happen to bad people? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> or or you, could, you could also say, why does anything happen to anyone? You know, mm-hmm. things just come our ways in life. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. You know, I was just as an example, I was just reading this morning how the president of America, Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. how, you know, going back some years, but his uh, his first wife and child were killed in a car accident. That's that's a real tragedy for anyone. Such a terrible tragedy a bad thing happening to, you know, let's say a good person, but now he's president of America. My gosh, he's the biggest man in the world. So, you know, from from severe tragedy to to the biggest position in the world, you know, things things happen to people. So, okay, let let me go and give me a, a minute or two Mm-hmm. A couple, a few minutes even, and all of you people out there watching, please sit down and relax, all right? Because <laughs> I'm going to explain something to you. It's really foundational and important. The thing is this, first point, that <clears throat> as Lord Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, we are all eternal spiritual persons, these bodies we have, they're, they're basically like vehicles, but we are eternal. And, you know, so many of you, uh, you, you have a motor car or some sort of vehicle of your own. And you know that during the course of your, your uh, driving life, you know, it might be from the age of 20 till the age of 60 or even 70. Yeah, so it means like 40 or 50 years you're a driver, but you change motor cars or, or vehicles. Everybody does. I don't think anyone after 40 or 50 years as a driver has the same, the first vehicle <laughs> that they got when they were young. So the principle is the same here, that these bodies, of course, are temporary, obviously, and, but, but we are all eternal conscious persons. 
And, and that means that we have been through many lifetimes of many different bodies. Here I am, I'm a, an older white man, European in South African terms. You know, I'm, I'm almost 70, I'll be 70 in two, two months yesterday, actually. Wow. I'll be 70, so I'm an elderly person. Um, yeah, but there, there was, according to Krishna and Bhagavad Gita, I had a previous lifetime in a previous body, and who knows if I was male or female or, or white or, or black or, you know, whatever, big or small or intelligent or whatever, you know, all these variations that we get amongst people. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but this is the principle. We go through many lifetimes, even though we're eternal persons. When we're in this world, we go through many bodies. And in those different lifetimes, we perform many different activities some good, some bad. And again, referring to Bhagavad Gita, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains that whatever a person does has natural consequences. So, you know, natural consequences in very simple terms means if you do good, you will get good. Mm -hmm. If you do bad, you will get bad. That's, you know, in the most simple terms. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are degrees of, of good, degrees of bad. Sometimes there's mixtures of good and bad in the same activity. Okay. But the thing is, for all, for all these things that we've done in this life and in previous lifetimes, there are natural consequences, like you could say, <clears throat> appropriate reactions. Mm -hmm. not, not that if you do something a little good, you'll get some huge good re reaction. Or if you do something a little bad, you'll get a huge bad reaction. It's all very appropriately arranged by God. Okay. who is highly intelligent. So therefore, in this lifetime, someone may be basically what people would call a good person, but in their previous lifetime or lifetimes, plural, they, they may well have done some bad things. Uh, but oftentimes, what you have done in your immediate previous lifetime, you only get the reactions in this lifetime. <laughs> so therefore, there may appear to be a, an imbalance, you could say, that here's someone good and tragedy comes to them. Yeah. Or here's someone bad and, you know, some extreme good fortune comes. So this is the reason why you could say 
anything happens to anyone, including bad things happening to good people. And let me just, you know, that, that's just a simple introduction to the idea. Let me just mention another important aspect is that many people who are basically sort of pleasant, you could say good, you know, they're, they're nice enough people, but many of them, because they don't understand the intricacies of what is good, what is bad, and how these things work, many people are engaged unknowingly in doing bad things, which will produce bad results. It could be immediately, it could be next life, but sooner or later, I'll give you an example. Um, and I hope your audience, you know, if you're still sitting down, if you're relaxed enough, I don't want to upset you <clears throat> or any of you, but for example, According to Bhagavad Gita and the other Vedic scriptures, uh, to kill animals and to eat their flesh, meat eating, is a bad activity. It's a very bad activity because you're killing an innocent creature. Who, who has given us the right to do that? We have just assumed the right and unfortunately, it's a bad activity, which you'll get bad reaction for. But, but I know many people who are otherwise basically, you know, they're pleasant people. They're not like aggressive, uh, nasty people in their general relationships. But, you know out of ignorance or habit or whatever like that, they're doing certain things which are bad and they will get the consequences in due course. And, you know, sometimes people try to argue that, well, if you don't know it's bad, why should you get a bad reaction? Sure. But you could then say that a child, for example, a child does not know that fire burns. And therefore, you know, I did it. I remember vividly doing it as a child. I put my hand in fire to pick up something and my hand got burnt because it's just the way, you know, <clears throat> it's the way this world works. So ignorance is not really an excuse. Yeah. And if we, if we play with fire, we'll get burnt, whether we know about it or not. Yeah, yeah. So that's an introduction to the, the subject. Okay. So would you say karma actually plays a, a pivotal role in making someone bad or karma doesn't actually play a role at all? Well, it... You know, karma plays, definitely plays a huge, huge role in everyone's lives and everyone's future. You know, what makes people, what makes people bad mm 
<clears throat> in some cases, it's just ignorance. You know, like I mentioned about meat eating, mm -hmm. it's not that the people, I, I know so many of the people who eat meat, <clears throat> they're not thinking, I want to kill animals and, and make them suffer, and I want to see it. They're not thinking like that. Sure. It's just ignorance. But then you do get people who, you know, like they're professional criminals, for example. <laughs> they, they want to rob people. And in many, in many cases, they don't care if they hurt people and even kill people. So what brings a person to that point that they're, they're ready to abuse, mm -hmm. like deliberately, consciously abuse and cause pain to others? Well, you know, this, this takes us back to Bhagavad Gita, where Lord Krishna explains why it is that we as eternal persons who actually belong in the eternal kingdom of God why we've come to this material world and, and fallen into this material world. The reason is because we developed the desire to try to enjoy ourselves independent from God, do our own thing, and just get ahead ourselves. Therefore, we were placed in this world and therefore, because people have that fundamental desire that we want to become like big enjoyers ourselves and become prominent and get as much as we can, uh, because that is there, at least in the background of people's minds in this material world, uh, that, that desire to, to get ahead and to get as much as possible and to become prominent and, and variations on these types of things drive people uh, to do things, at least in some cases, drive people to do things like illegal criminal, like try to avoid paying tax. <laughs> don't talk to the business people about it. Just don't bother. They, it's, it's universal. Maybe you find the odd one who's just happy to pay all the tax. But otherwise, the business community, they will do what they can to avoid it. Even to the point of, you know, doing things they really shouldn't do. Yeah. So that desire to enjoy independently from God and maximize that mm -hmm. and increase it, as that desire develops, the people become more willing to do things which they actually know they shouldn't really be doing. And in this way, they become what you could call bad people. So we distinguish between sort of innocent people 
who may be doing bad things, but they just, you know, it's through habit or social pressure. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they want to do something wrong. Yeah. We distinguish between them and those people who really deliberately want to do something wrong just so for their own benefit and they don't care. Yeah. They, they are more like really bad people. Mm-hmm. So would you think um, conditioning actually also plays a, a role on whether the person is good or bad? Because I know whilst growing up, the first six years is quite important in a child's life because parents are conditioning them a certain way. They're bringing them up in a certain way. So would you also, I mean, would you agree conditioning plays a role in this? Well, yeah, certainly conditioning does. Um, If you talk just about children, Mm. yeah. Well, you know, the way their their parents bring them up is extremely important. And particularly if the parents really don't make the effort to bring them up nicely, then you're almost inevitably going to get some sort of bad person coming out of it as the child grows up. Um, But there's also the other, another side, which I've, you know, sort of alluded to, is that like with the meat eating business, uh, we say it's bad because it involves killing of innocent creatures. And it's just not necessary. (laughs) I've been living as a vegetarian for about 50 years. And look at me, I'm still alive. It's not like, you know, I'm struggling with malnutrition or something. We don't have to do it. But the thing is, it's so widespread and so widely accepted that the great majority of people, even myself in my you know, younger days as I was in my teenage days, it's a form of social conditioning. The social environment also plays an important part informing the attitudes and perspectives of of pretty much everyone. So therefore the the Krishna consciousness movement, we're trying to influence ultimately the whole world because if people uh, understand the benefits of doing good, and how it's not difficult to do good, and you're not going to really lose out on anything. If you do good, we're going to have a better world, which we desperately need. Absolutely. So can a person be unconditioned? Yes. You know, that's, that's what spiritual life is all about. You know, there's a saying, every... Uh, every saint has a past mm-hmm. and every sinner can have a future. <laughs> so, sure. you know, it's one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, it is possible for people to change. It, okay. It's, you know, when, when habit is deeply ingrained, mm-hmm. a person may feel, oh, how can I change? Mm-hmm. But with, with good instruction, 
a good guidance with like real support yes. and with good association, then then even even someone who's like, whoa, you know, extremely bad mm-hmm. can actually become an excellent person. And you know, there there are stories in the, the different religious traditions in Christianity. There's the story of Paul. I won't go into it, but he, uh, on the road to Damascus, he had some sort of massive revelation, and he changed from, you know, like a a mass murderer to a saint. And in our in our Krishna conscious tradition, in the Indian uh, tradition, Hindu tradition. There are many cases like that. People who were just like living disasters, becoming saints and becoming extremely happy in the process. So the thing is, one one needs like a, a process that one can follow which works, something which really works. And one needs good association for that support, encouragement, you know, like that. Because just to do these things on your own, that's not easy. Yes, I agree. It's really not easy. So to become unconditioned in Krishna consciousness, the first thing we uh, suggest or teach is to chant the names of God. We particularly chant the Hare Krishna mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So these are names of God in Sanskrit language. Krishna means the all attractive person, that's God. Rama means the source of all pleasure. That's God. So by chanting these names, God is present in his names. So when we're chanting his names, we are in his company. And just like in in regular everyday life, uh, you, you become like the people you associate with. Yeah. You become like the company you keep. So if we keep the company of God in the form of his holy names, then we will become, our lives will become sanctified. Not that we'll become God. (laughs) There's already, God already exists. (laughs) So we won't replace him. But we we will become godly. Mm spiritualized and and similarly by associating with others who are, who are following the same process yes. by their influence also our lives will become sanctified and and like i said it's really nice in in everyday life i know because i've been around now <laughs> 70 years And I know so many people 
from different parts of the world, mm -hmm. huge number. And I know life is not easy. Yes. It's not easy. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. Uh, but when one takes to a genuine spiritual process, then everything becomes better. It, it really does. And when you see it tangibly, that, that it's a reality, I'm becoming happier. I'm becoming less affected by the challenges life throws at me. As you see that, that inner transformation is taking, with, uh, is taking place within yourself, that gives faith not just a blind faith that we just close our eyes and just believe in something, but it's, it's not even just faith. <laughs> it's just observing a reality, actually, that actually I am becoming happier. I am becoming more focused and more stable and more able to deal with challenges mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, it's actually happening in, in fact. Yeah. And when you see that, wow, that is really good. And, and that gives the confidence, not just faith, but confidence that I must carry on and keep moving forward. So, so we recommend it. We recommend it very strongly indeed. Very true. You know, whilst you were talking, I was just thinking about a previous talk that I had with His Holiness Bhakti. Um, I think it's Bhakti Vasudev Swami. And he mentioned, show me your friends and I'll tell you about you. And I thought that was very, very profound. Right, that's true. <laughs>
just chairs, pillows, blankets, towels, etc. Our aim is to create a safe and stress-free environment where employees are encouraged to find balance and become more productive by eliminating stress, anxiety, depression, etc. With the introduction of yoga to the workforce, management will immediately notice a transformation of their employees. If you want to find out more about our offerings, you can contact us on www.mindfultrinity.co.za All of our contact details are on our website. Looking forward to connecting with you further. Yes. So, can you tell us how does one overcome difficulties? Like we, we already know living on this material planet comes with challenges. But I also agree that these challenges actually makes us stronger. But what would you say? How does one overcome these challenges? Yeah, how do we overcome the challenges? You know, some challenges we can overcome just by, <clears throat> you know, just developing some determination like that, you know, to, to study something. Some, some people, they, you know, they go to university or even later in their lives, they decide, okay, I'm going to study something and get some higher qualification and, and you got to get yourself together. Mm-hmm. But then there are some challenges which you cannot just get through by you know, just sort of increasing your your confidence or your strength um, arbitrarily. <clears throat> you know, uh, there there is a little. Let me tell you, it's not a joke. It's just it's it's almost a joke, but it's a true story, <clears throat> uh, which illustrates the point that. Um, one American, many years ago, an American military ship, Navy ship, you know, with guns and bombs and all the rest of it, was traveling in the sea somewhere. And they noticed on the radar something was coming up ahead and right in the way of the ship. So they sent a message that this is the American ship such and such, please move out of the way. And the message came back, uh, you please change your course and you move out of the way. (laughs) And so the, the fellow on the ship said, well, you know, this is a battleship. (laughs) So you please move out of the way. And the, the message came back that, well, we, we think it would be better that you change course and you move out of the way. And then the admiral on the ship, the admiral said, this is admiral such and such, and I am ordering you to move out of the way. And the message came back, this is a lighthouse. <laughs> you must move out of the way. <laughs> So, you know, there's some sort of things, collisions in life, which are beyond our ability to just, you know, 
let's just get it together and become determined. Like death, like death, like old age, like disease. These are challenges. You know, it's one thing to have a challenge at work. Someone wants to take your, your job or, you know, you're struggling to perform in your job. You know, it's one thing to have challenges like that or in the family, but it's another thing uh, to face these types of challenges like old age, disease, death. Uh, so to deal with these challenges particularly, we have to come to a more elevated level of consciousness. And if we come to a more elevated level of spiritual consciousness, then we will be able to deal with death. Does, doesn't mean we're not going to die. The, the body, you know, it reaches a certain point in the aging process, and that's it, whether you like it or not. So not that we will not die, not that the body will not die, the body will die. But if we have developed our spiritual consciousness, then we will not be overwhelmed by the experience of death. Mm -hmm. Rather, we will be able to remain focused spiritually even at the time of death, and then go to a spiritual destination, ultimately go back to the kingdom of God. So this can only be done through spiritual development. Yeah, Uh, that's the only way to deal with these things. Mm -hmm. So therefore, spiritual life really is essential. Plus, it helps deal with the other things, you know, the more ordinary things of pressure at work and having to deal with family situations and, you know, just all that sort of stuff. Development of spiritual consciousness makes it so much easier to deal with all these things. Okay. So for the person that, you know, people always complain that they don't have time. They're so busy. What advice would you give for them? Um, How can they introduce something more spiritual in their life in order to overcome these challenges and give them more strength to go on to the day-to-day activities? Right. Yeah, good point. Very important. You know, the thing is that um, one has to learn. First of all, one has to get some understanding that actually... I, I really need to do this. It would really be good for me. There has to be a sort of a foundational appreciation of the value, at least, you know, to some degree, an initial degree. And then, uh, then one has to do some time management. <laughs> you got to do some time management. And, you know, in terms of your work and whatever else is there in your life, um, you've got to do some time management, which you should do anyway. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you become, you're like the ongoing victim of circumstances. 
and that's not the way to live. So, you know, time management, of course, is such a well-known thing, just on in very ordinary terms. But, you know, if you really try to do, if you have some appreciation, I would like to develop spiritually, and I'd really want, I really want to find out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Then if you try to do some time management, you will probably be very surprised how much time you can sort of create or, you know, through management, free up mm-hmm. for, for your spiritual life. Yes. Okay. Uh, and if, you know, I'll tell you another thing. If after trying your best to do that, that if you're working so many hours and you're working so hard and it's just, you know, you don't know how you're going to make time or energy for spiritual life, I would suggest you may have the wrong job. <laughs> that is not, so true. not all jobs are equal mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah so you you know the ideal situation without being cheeky or you know facetious mm-hmm. the ideal situation is to to do as little work as possible <laughs> and get as much money as possible <laughs> and have free time you know, plenty of free time to do what you actually want to do. Now, that may sound a little silly, mm-hmm. but actually it's not. <laughs> and I know a number of people. I mean, my father was a successful business person. And, you know, every Wednesday mm-hmm. at lunchtime, he would go to the golf course. Wow. And Wednesday afternoon, every single for years, he would play golf. <laughs> and he didn't work on the weekends either. So, in, in other words, it can be done. It really can be done. So if a person prays to Krishna, please help me to use my intelligence to see how I can free up time for spiritual life. And if one uses intelligence to try and do that, you know, I would say in practically every case, a person will be able to make time. And if you can't consider a change of employment. Awesome, absolutely awesome advice. And I, well, basically, we actually live in a world right now where stress, anxiety, depression is on the rise. And a lot of people that I speak with always tell me that they have problems with the mind and they cannot actually overcome these challenges because the mind is actually programmed as such. What advice would you give for these people on spiritual life, firstly? Because sometimes, even if they're doing mantra meditation, they will say that the mind is wandering. And they cannot focus on those syllables, on those, on those words, on those mantra. What advice would you uh-huh. give for these people? Yeah, you know, uh, depends what you ne- mean by mantra meditation. Okay. Uh, if, they're, if they're really practicing 
chanting the the Hare Krishna mantra properly, then, you know, properly, Mm -hmm. yeah, properly, then uh, if there are not Mm. like significant and noticeable changes in terms of, you know, like developing some peace of mind and Mm -hmm. some greater ability to focus, if that is not happening, Mm -hmm. it would generally indicate they're doing something wrong. Okay. Because if you you can do the right thing in the wrong way, that is not difficult at all. Okay. So so therefore, to get guidance, Mm -hmm. therefore, to get association Mm -hmm. like this, uh, this helps so much. And therefore, for example, we, mm-hmm. every day, five, well, actually seven days a week, we have, I am having mm-hmm. mantra meditation programs online, okay. on Facebook and on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not a vast number of people are coming, but it's sort of, you know, 100 to 150 like that, which is, you know, it's not bad. Yes. But but the general reaction and result that those people are, are getting, they tell me, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's very helpful. It's very satisfying. Okay. It's very nice. So otherwise, yeah, people, it's, it's quite possible okay. and almost inevitable. If they're doing some mantra meditation, either... It's the wrong mantra. Okay. Or they're not doing not doing it properly. And therefore there's a need to get some guidance and shelter and, and help and direction. And then, you know, other than extreme cases where people have like extreme psychological conditions, okay. our experience is that it helps everyone who really, you know, in the right circumstances, really tries to give it their best. And even, you know, talking about people who actually have like psychoses to Mm -hmm. some degree, they're able to live in in society. They don't have to be put in an institution, but they, they do have, you know, like bipolar conditions or whatever, still if they they should take medication, Mm -hmm. that that has to be done very carefully. Mm -hmm. But our experience is such people, if they take medication in in sensible ways, Mm -hmm. then they're able to practice the chanting and also get important, you know, like significant benefit from it. Okay. It actually brings me to my next question. Um, it's regarding this mantra meditation, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. I've got a lot of people um, on, my, on my social platforms, including my podcast platforms, that are not Hindus. They're either in the Islam faith or Christian faith, or even Jewish as well. I actually have a lot, a lot of Jewish people on this as well. What advice would you give them? Are they able or are they allowed? Because I know most of them say they're actually so fixed into their own faith. They're afraid to actually chant another name of God. 
um, are they allowed to do that? And if they are allowed, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, okay. Well, that's an important point. As I mentioned, I was brought up as a Christian, not very serious, but, you know, definitely some, some sort of Christian. Um, so it's interesting you use the word allowed. <laughs> well, as far as we're concerned, they're definitely allowed. People come to us and say, well, listen, we're Christian or we're Muslim. Mm. We, we're not going to say, well, look, you're not allowed okay. in okay. here. Because we're talking about one God. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about simply the principle, ultimately, of developing love for God, developing a relationship with God. Yeah, so then, you know, in terms of mantra or prayer, you could say, because, you know, mantra in a sense, if you translate it into English, you, you could use the term prayer as a, as a type of translation of the word mantra, although literally mantra as a Sanskrit word, it's a compound of two words, man and tra. Man means the mind and tra means to deliver. So it's a, a spiritual sound which delivers the mind from its sort of engrossment in, in mundane, materialistic, and ultimately ungodly things. So, uh, but if someone's in, you know, a if someone's a Christian, a Muslim, or a Buddhist, maybe, or a Jewish person, and then other, you know, like African traditional religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very relevant here in South Africa. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, God being referred to as, I don't know if my pronunciation is 100%, but basically, unkul unkul, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, in, in Hebrew, they may possibly use the term Jehovah. Or in Islam, you know, they have some 99 names or something. But the, the main name they they use, which is so well known, is Allah. Yeah, so it's basically adding this on in the, I mean, the, the process of praying in a That's certain right. way, just adding this That's on. That's right. Okay. They can chant Jehovah, they can chant Jesus, Christ, Christ or Allah, or Buddha, or etc. Nkul Nkul, what is it, Tikwe, you know, depending on... The, these are just linguistic formalities, really. Why is ancient wisdom so relevant in this day and age, this modern age? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another very good point. Because uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, we could use the word fundamental. Let's use the word foundational rather than fundamental because fundamental sort of has a, a bad name mm -hmm. in, in some circles. But here we're talking about very fundamental uh, realities of existence. We are not talking about just 
temporary, um, just temporary elements of life, like uh, different clothes, changing fashions of clothes, uh, even different uh, political processes, democracy, dicta dictatorship, monarchy, anarchy. We're not talking about these just, you know, fluctuating uh, aspects of life, but we are talking about very foundational realities, existential realities like who are we? As we mentioned earlier in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, we're all eternal persons. That is not going to change. Mm -hmm. We're not going to stop being eternal persons. Uh, and each one of us has an eternal relationship with God. It's eternal. It means it's already there. And, and it will never be lost. So spiritual life really means to just reawaken these eternal aspects of our existence, things which are not uh, sort of modified by social, historical, political circumstances. So, uh, yeah, and like the changing, the chanting of mantra, it works. It worked in the past. It works now. It will work in the future. Whereas, you know, the popular song of today, I don't know what it is on the radio, uh, it will not be the popular song after some weeks, what to speak of years. And it wasn't the popular song in the past. So these are eternal realities and we need to embrace them. And when, when we do, they give that foundation. They give that foundation in a person's life um, through, th on the basis of which they can deal with all the temporary fluctuations of all the, you know, the things that go on in day-to-day -day life. You gave us such phenomenal advice and practical ways on how to actually implement these in our lifestyle as well. Can you also tell us what are the three things that you do on a daily basis to build inner strength? Okay, three things. <laughs> uh, there, there could be more, but okay. <clears throat> I'll tell you the first thing. The first thing is, well, I, I walk my talk, so therefore... I chant Hare Krishna <laughs> and, and mantras, but the Hare Krishna mantra is the main mantra. <clears throat> then the second thing, I'd say the second thing is that I associate regularly, like on a daily basis and on not just once a day, but really regularly with spiritually minded Krishna conscious people. That's, that's very foundational. And the third thing, I'll tell you, I mean, there could there's a number of candidates for that, <clears throat> but I'd say really the third thing is 
Well, here's here's a couple of third things. <laughs> I read I read these literatures like I mentioned Bhagavad Gita on a daily basis. Plus, I I eat only sanctified vegetarian food, and it's easy to do the sanctification. I mean, a child can do it, and and many do. <laughs> so I take only sanctified vegetarian food, which has been offered to the Lord. And these, I think, you know, these are really foundational and beneficial. And, and I just love doing them. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, like that. Okay. What are one or two pivotal moments that has shaped your life thus far? And what are the lessons that you have learned through these pivotal moments? Okay, well, you know, I think that the very first uh, really foundational or, you know, so a, a particular experience which, which really moved me and affected me deeply was when I first saw Srila Prabhupada, our spiritual master, mm. I mentioned earlier, back at un university in Auckland, New Zealand. Even at the time, I didn't really appreciate how significant was the, and how much was the impact that meeting made on me. But as time goes on, and even up till today, you know, the, my appreciation of it increases. What an impact what a transformational, for the better, effect meeting him had. And, and there from, from that, I would say I could extrapolate and say that people, you know, this idea I've mentioned of associating with spiritually advanced people, because he was really super advanced. And then a second thing, a second thing, well, you know, a second thing, there, there, there could be a number of candidates for that also, but one second thing was when I started um, trying to help other people spiritually, mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, you know, not, not necessarily as some sort of as I am an elderly senior teacher, mm -hmm. but just, you know, when I was young and I started presenting this knowledge to people, um, you know, I didn't know that much, but I knew more than them. And I started doing it. And I found that that doing those presentations, speaking to individuals, <clears throat> speaking sometimes to groups. That, <clears throat> that was such a wonderful experience. I could see it was helping them, and I saw that it was helping me too. So therefore, I would say that as you develop spiritually, you should. it really will help you to develop, to, to develop further, to give what you have received to others. I think God, however, whatever you call him, however you see him, 
If you do that, if, you, if you've got something genuine to give to others and you give it nicely, I think God will smile on you and you'll really feel benefited. Okay, I actually do like that. It's powerful words that you used and the feeling that you actually put into it. Um, you know, when, when we have anything that we, we relishing, and if we, if we keep it all to ourselves, it's we're being spiteful and it's very good to share. Like they say, I know the saying goes, sharing is caring. We're trying to put that emotion into it and share whatever's helping us. So thank you so much for bringing it back out there, putting it back out there and also bringing it to my attention and making me more aware of how to share, um, you know, beneficial knowledge. So what advice would you give to our Mindful Trinity listeners or our viewers, especially those that are on this journey of self-discovery? Right. <clears throat> well, I would tell them, I would say, you know, I don't want to be repetitive, yeah. but I think that they should, well, you know, I already stressed chanting I mentioned studying the literatures. You know what I'd say? Let, let's just say something a little different. Okay. Uh, not, not to replace those ideas, but I would say keep an open mind to spiritual knowledge. You know, here I, here I am after all these, you know, almost 70 years. Here I am brought up as a Christian took to Krishna consciousness. And I'm, you know, I've been around here for a long time. Um, but, you know, you could say that if I found something which was clearly better, I would have to accept it. I don't want to just be a dogmatist and say, no, no, no. I'm Hare Krishna, and you know, that doesn't matter how good something else is, but you know, I'm not interested. We have to keep open minds, particularly when we're in the earlier stages. Um, and we have to keep open minds and we have to pray. Open minds to be receptacles for elevated ideas and to, to apply elevated ideas. And we have to pray to the Lord to give us the intelligence to understand what to accept, what not to accept, because you can't do everything. You can't do everything. But, you know, for myself, as far as I'm concerned, I am a much better Christian today than I was when I was at my Anglican school for 12 years. Oh, really? Uh, but it's in the context of Krishna consciousness. And there is no real clash. Whatever clash may, might seem to be there, it's generally some just some you know we need a deeper understanding or else it's the attack 
of dogmatism. Yeah. So I would say like that, keep, keep open minds, really try and understand things and pray to the Lord for mercy to understand uh, how to mold your life. Thank you so much. This has been such an eye opener for me. I've learned so much from you. I'm, I mean, I'm always learning from you, but to actually get my, my listeners to also learn from you, it's a dream come true for me. So thank you so much for allowing me to meet with you this morning. I, like I mentioned before, I know you are busy and for you making time for myself and for everyone else that's going to be listening, I'm absolutely grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for giving me the time. Hare Krishna, anytime. Thank you. So to our Mindful Trinity viewers, if you actually resonated with our discussion this morning, please do subscribe to the channel, um, like, share. You know, sharing this knowledge with like-minded people is also beneficial to you, like Isolinus Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj mentioned. When you share this, you also get some sort of, it's basically give and take, it's balanced, you know. So share this with like-minded people and um, also leave us a review and rate us so more people can actually get to see this and hear this. Thank you once again and have an awesome day. Bye-bye.